one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Dominic Fifield of The Guardian and Tom Colomossi of The Evening Standard. It had to happen, didn't it? Arsenal get Bayern Munich again. Monaco pose a threat to Manchester City and Leicester have a tough task against Sevilla. The last 16 is when the Champions League gets serious. Let's start with Arsenal. Is this the time they actually beat Bayern? It's probably their best opportunity to do so. Um, there was a certain inevitability, as you say, about them drawing them, having, having made a great, great achievement actually winning that group. I was in Basel in the week and um, no one really saw that coming, apart from possibly Wenger. But then, typically, they get Bayern Munich anyway. But look, Munich are obviously joint top of the Bundesliga at the moment. They're a massive, massive threat in this competition. And Carlo Ancelotti was brought in largely to, to win them this, this trophy again. You, you got to know him pretty well at Chelsea. Yeah. Give a, a flavour of his management style. Well, look, he's the type of manager that will get the best out of great players. He, he's very relaxed, allows them to express themselves. He's not particularly disciplinarian. Um, I think that ultimately proved a problem at Chelsea um, in his time there. He's not somebody that necessarily knows how to react to bad spells. Again, that happened at Chelsea. It was a, the bad moment that cost him his job in the second season after winning the double in his first season. But he's the type of manager, he's a finisher. He's somebody who comes in and takes over an, an elite club with an elite group of players and maybe makes the finishing touches to take them over the over the line. He's the type of manager that a lot of great players like to, to work for. Now, I don't know whether he's necessarily the manager for the slog of the day-to-day league campaign, but the Champions League seems to bring out the best in him. And Come the knockout stage, you'd expect Bayern's form to improve from what it was in the group. So in that respect, they will pose a major threat to Arsenal. However, to date, there's not much that Arsenal should be particularly afraid of. You know, if Sanchez and Ozil are, are, in, are in top form, they can hurt Bayern Munich in a way that possibly they haven't been able to in the, the three occasions they've met them in the last five years. Mm. What about um, yeah, City, Tom? You follow Ligue 1 closely. Um, Monaco impressed against Tottenham. Um, have they got it in them to beat City? I think it would be a good bet if you wanted a dark horse to go through from that round. I think Monaco could be the team. As you say, Mike, I saw both their ties against Tottenham. Very impressed by their threat from out wide. They've got two good pairings on the flanks, Sidibe and Bernardo Silva on the right, and Mendy and Thomas Lamar on the left. And Lamar and Silva are both super players. It switches the system from a 4-4-2 to 4-3-3, and they're very flexible, like that. a lot of pace down those flanks, so I, and strong central midfield. So I think they can do some damage to City. 
maybe their problems are a little bit of weakness in central defence and much as Falcao was an expert striker for a long time, I don't think he's perhaps quite at those levels. But I think if, if they start well, if those little details in matches go in their favour, I think they could spring a surprise against Manchester City, I really do. And in particular that sort of potency they've got wide, which which would play to City's weaknesses, wouldn't it? It would. And Lamar is quite a direct player. He starts on the left, he's quick, uh, links well with the left-back, Mendy. And Bernardo Silva plays on the right. He's a much trickier, cleverer player, likes to drift inside. He's quick, he's intelligent, um, creative. So, as you say, Mike, I think they can expose City in those areas. It's just whether they have quite enough threat up front. Falcao, maybe not the player he was, and they played Valer Germain in those games against Spurs, who's a decent centre-forward, maybe not an elite one. But I certainly think they've got the tools to to do a lot of, cause a lot of problems to Manchester City, especially in their state at the moment. Mm. You spoke about Carlo Ancelotti, Don. Obviously, Bayern is the club which which helped to build the legend of of Pep Guardiola. Mm -hmm. That legend is being questioned now, isn't it? Fairly? Yeah, definitely fairly. Um, I think if you come to a new league and you don't show any... You don't don't bend at all to what what you're being presented with each week, what you're being confronted with each week, uh, and you you drum on about your philosophy and, and how it's... Effectively, you're saying that it's better than everything else out there and the team struggles clearly to adapt to that philosophy, then you're going to be open to, to criticism. But is, that, is that a case of just having players of a lower quality or maybe at the wrong end of their career? Well, possibly. I mean, look, I, I don't think we should have expected everything to click immediately at Manchester City under Guardiola. He, he has got his distinct way of playing and a philosophy, and it's going to take him time to bring in the players that will fit that. I don't see why we should suddenly assume that all Manchester City's players, some of whom, as you say, are towards the end of their careers, can suddenly adapt to a, a, a new manager's style. And it is very different to everything that's preceded it. Um, however, what is odd to see is this intransigence. He, he will not bend at all. He will not adapt. He expects them to all hit the ground running and, and the team to play this way immediately. And I think that probably is unrealistic. Yeah, and it's also self-defeating to a degree, Tom, because if you look at... You looked at uh, John Stones' face when he uh, con- conceded, essentially, Leicester's fourth goal. He was mortified. Yet afterwards, Guardiola basically said, well, what mistakes, almost. <laughs> John Stones, do we need to give him time? Well, in that particular instance, I would say that you don't know what's been said behind closed doors. Maybe Guardiola can see how devastated his player is and as a smart manager is going in in public and saying what mistakes I I don't think he played too badly because he thinks that's the type of guy that John Stones is I think to go back to what Don was saying about Guardiola's intransigence a lot of people quite rightly so love Guardiola they think he's the best thing since sliced bread 21 trophies would suggest how good he is but to make excuses for why he's not having success like he doesn't have the right players like there's not the sort of youth structure at Manchester City as there is at Barcelona. Both of those things are true, but Guardiola's a fine coach who should be able to adapt. Mm. Um, and you well, can't... well, to be fair, if they, he, they spent £200 million pounds on the academy and they're buying up every 16-year-old known to man. But that's a long-term project, isn't it? It is, yes. I think what those critics would mean was that Guardiola, player at Barcelona, coach at Barcelona, mm. has Barcelona in his system and so knows exactly what sort of players that club produces. It will take time for a Manchester City player to emerge from that academy. But that said, Guardiola 
or his apologists can't blame everything around him if he doesn't succeed. He's a fine coach. He should be able to look at the material he has, mm. assess what the best way to go forward is and be able to take that route, as Antonio Conte has at Chelsea. Mm. If you look at City, uh, that result against Leicester, it signalled almost the rebirth of Leicester, didn't it? And now, was that a coincidence that that came when almost the Champions League had been put to bed for three months? I think it is a coincidence. I think it, that result was sparked by City almost ignoring everything that happened last season and, uh, and playing perfectly into Leicester City's hands. Um, it was a result they desperately needed. Uh, the, the midweek game in Porto was was really irrelevant. I think they'd, they'd obviously put the, to bed the, the group before before that. He took a shadow squad out there effectively and the defence was radically changed. But they were desperate for the right kind of result in the Premier League just to, to edge them further away from the relegation zone, which is you know where they're at at the moment. And even after that result, they're still what, four points off, off the bottom three. But it's a start for them. Um, and it will be of huge reassurance to see Jamie Rardy scoring again and that link-up with Riyad Mahrez re- reasserting that itself. That touch for one of the goals oh, was wonderful. Absolutely sublime, wasn't it? Um, wonderful. And, but th- everything about that, it was, the shock, it was the shock tactics from last year. And I think, as well as Leicester played, and we know they're very good at that because they proved that, I think that that result was damning for Guardiola's preparations. And, and in fairness, it, it, was, it was more betrayed an arrogance on his part and the fact that he wouldn't adapt at all to, to reflect the fact they were playing Leicester City than anything else. So it's great for Leicester and it's got them back the, the ball rolling again, but I thought it was more damning on City. I think mm. it also, in a funny sort of way, exposes what perhaps has been Leicester's problem this season in that you win a league as Leicester City. Those players, it's probably more than they would ever have expected to achieve in their careers. Certainly the people like Wes Morgan, Robert Huth, Jamie Vardy, Danny Drinkwater solid professionals but not those who would have expected to have reached the top of the tree that's bound to have a psychological effect going into the next season you can't possibly be as keyed up as you were in those matches and I do think that's affected them and the fact that they can then produce a performance like this against Manchester City when the critics have been all over them maybe speaks to that a little bit and that still is a question for them to answer when they play sides who are going to approach them as the champions. We need to be careful of them. We're going to let them make the game. That's a problem that they haven't been able to deal with yet this season. I think it's still a problem that's there. I've got, I've got Bournemouth midweek. I mean, that, that's a, the type of game that's actually going to be exactly. almost more of a test yeah. in some ways because Bournemouth won't play into their hands. Mm-hmm. They've got Sevilla, as we said. You know, those players that you mentioned are dipping their bread into the gravy here, aren't they? Lovely tie. Winnable for them? Very difficult, Mike. I think Sevilla. I think Sevilla are a good team this season. Third in La Liga. They at the weekend they won three 0 at Celta Vigo. Um, Jorge Sampaoli, who some of the viewers might remember as Chile coach, who won the Copa America the year before. He's last. suspended this time. Um, he's a touchline ban. Yeah. Um, to, so for both those matches, he won't be there. He's a fairly excitable presence on the touchline. <laughs> but um, he, the work he's done with Chile really was outstanding, and he's moved into European club football and pretty much adapted straight away, which a lot of South American coaches don't always do. So um, I think the players they've got, Samir Nasri will be a notable one that Premier League fans would remember. Franco Vasquez, an Italian-Argentinian playmaker, is a fine player. Luciano Vieto, a good striker. Um, so I think Sevilla, of course, Europa League winners in the last three years, I'd expect them to have too much for Leicester in that tie. And they've got Stephen and Zonzi. Uh, Sam Allardyce is would-be yeah. Englishman. 
Well, yeah, and uh, he's done fantastically well for them and he's really living up to the potential he showed at Stoke City in his spell there. I mean, he's, he's a good player. He's, you know, leggy, aggressive midfielder, made for the Premier League. And, look, it wouldn't surprise me if there are clubs that will try and tempt him back in the summer because uh, he's, he's made for, yeah. for football in this country, I think. Yeah. Turning to the Europa League, you were at Old Trafford yesterday, uh, Tom. Um, Manchester United, Saint-Étienne is probably a more glamorous tie than Tottenham's, which is at uh, Ghent, at Ghent yeah. in, in Belgium. How do you see that going? I'd expect Manchester United to be favourites in that game. I think Saint-Étienne needs to the big story in France this season, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, top of the table, managed to get a 2-2 draw at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, Saint-Étienne haven't made quite the same impact in Ligue 1. And I think Jose Mourinho likes to win trophies, so I think he will take that competition very seriously. Um, and I think that with Henrik Mkhitaryan coming into form now, if he does play regularly in that competition, I think Manchester United can go far in it. I think he's a wonderful player and they have a stronger squad than Saint-Étienne and I'd expect it to take them through. Similarly with Spurs against Ghent, notwithstanding Spurs were, were quite poor yesterday and they've never quite got to grips with the Europa League, but I would think they'd go through that tie. Um, I think they'll have, they'll have too much for the, I think, fifth best side in Belgium at the moment. Mm. The intriguing thing on that is that both Spurs and United, fifth and sixth in the Premier League, yes. mm. Actually, probably the best route back into the Champions League is to win the Europa League. Yeah, we put this to Pochettino last week and he, he didn't dismiss it out of hand, you know, because you only have to win. Well, theoretically, you don't need to win any games, <laughs> do you? You can, you can draw them and win on away goals. But if you just win all your home ties, draw away, you get into the final, it could be an easier way because a lot of those draws in the Europa League are disproportionate. I think you've got Villarreal against Roma, which is a hell of a tie. Mm -hmm. And then some of the other ties will be containing two, two weaker teams. So certainly the route's there for United and Tottenham if they get favourable draws. Mm, yeah, Tom mentioned Mkhitaryan. You know, uh, you know, lovely touch and finish for his goal at Old Trafford. Is Jose Mourinho almost in a win-win situation here? If Mkhitaryan fails, which I, th I think is unlikely, but if he does fail, Mourinho can say, well, I told you so. That's why I kept him out of the team. Now he's kept him out of the team, but he's come in and done so well. Is this now another flourish for his genius? <laughs> Well, Jose will make it a flourish, his genius, whatever. Um, I think it sums up Mkhitaryan's luck that he he, he, he finds his form. He, he scores goals in successive games and then picks up an ankle injury, which is going to keep him out for a couple of weeks. So he misses, you know, what on paper are pretty winnable games. So get people like Crystal Palace in midweek, for example, he would have run riot in that match. Palace have no fullbacks of any note at the moment, so he, he would have been made perfect for him and he would probably have run riot and... and added to his goal tally but now he's out so he's got to start up again after Christmas or over Christmas and, and, and regain some momentum but look his pedigree is, is there and, and Mourinho has acknowledged that as well it was just a matter of him adapting to the way that Mourinho wanted him to play and you know again I, I, I think that's actually that's fair enough I think I don't think that players should arrive at a club even after hefty transfer fees and, and not be willing to adapt to what the manager wants it almost goes back to what Guardiola coming yeah, into the Premier League does, is like, yes, isn't it? it? I mean, you have to, you have to adapt to the circumstances, and he has, and now he's injured again, so he's got to do it again. But he won't fail, Mike. This no. guy, this guy won't Quality. fail. He's an absolutely superb player. I watched him for quite a number of years, actually. I remember first seeing him in a in a World Cup qualifier. I think it was Armenia against Italy, and caught my eye because he he picks up a ball in between the lines, as they say now, 
burst past Leonardo Bonucci, which is no mean feat, and just clipped it over Gianluigi Buffon. So he has that speed, he has the technique allied to it, he has the creativity and the confidence. So he's pretty much, you've got the whole package there. Managing, I know he's 27 years old, but still getting him for less than £30 million is a remarkable deal. I think he's absolutely made to measure for the Premier League, and he could be... I think the best player in the second half of the season if he can cure these little ailments because of course it's an unwanted rest but he had a bit of a rest at the start and while everybody else is feeling a bit knackered now <laughs> he's fresh um, mm. I think he can really have an impact on, on the Premier League in the second half of the year You, you mentioned the Palace game uh, Dom it's on BT Sport on Wednesday night Palace have their well documented struggles what strikes me is that are they vulnerable to someone like Rashford coming in? You know, Martial has had his struggles and it seemed that Mourinho was really exasperated with him yesterday. Um, another tough night for Palace? I think it will be. Of the two home games that Palace have got this week, they're more likely to get something out of the United than they are Chelsea, uh, which is on Saturday. But yeah, pace pace out wide will, will cause issues. I mean, Palace thought they'd solved their set-piece issues with their, their victory over Southampton recently. And they probably had. They defended set-pieces relatively well at Hull at the weekend. It's just everything else filled pieces, which sort of sums them up at the moment. They're, they're struggling to find the right balance. The one thing that Palace have been doing consistently is scoring a lot of goals. I mean, for a team to be down where they are, and to have conceded the amount of goals they have, to have a minus two goal difference <laughs> yeah. is remarkable. Mid scoring fours oh, and threes. Yeah. Uh, it's astonishing. I mean, the ten in the last three yeah. games. Um, so look, they will, they will, they will fancy their chances of, of getting a goal against United. But I just the way that they're defending at the moment, and the lack of time for Pardew to work on things ahead of United, where he'll lose Jason Punch into suspension as well. He's a key player for them. I think it's asking a lot for Palace to get very much out of that game. What's your read on Alan Pardew's situation? I think the board would have to look at it again after the Chelsea match. Just, just because if they've lost those two matches, they could be in the bottom three. And I think the sense of panic, particularly amongst the American investors, will come to the fore again and they'll need to to address it. Look, Parrish is, Steve Parrish, the chairman, is fighting Pardew's corner. That is very evident but they're playing at the moment, uh, they're treading water defensively and they're playing with the shadow of Sam Allardyce hovering over them, basically. And, and it, it will boil down to, their survival prospects could well boil down to whether they appoint Allardyce in time. Mm. I think that's the different dynamic, isn't it, the American investors? Because these people who are investing in football clubs, they don't have the mentality of, well, we'll be patient, we can understand why they're losing matches, we know the Premier League is unpredictable. They invest, they want success. They, they go there, they think, right, this is a London club, we think we can improve it, we think we can improve the stadium. When those things aren't happened, of course, Dom knows better than I do, but there were, when those investors came in, there was talk of Palace being a regular top 10, top 8 club in the Premier League, improving the ground, really moving up a level. So when that doesn't happen, these guys are businessmen, they're just going to think, well, what's going on here? Sorry, pal, we'll have Sam Allardyce to make sure we stay in the league. So I think that's where he's maybe more vulnerable than he would have been had it just been Steve Parrish. When you talk of businessmen and football in the same sentence, that sort of uh, figure of Daniel Levy tends to spring into your mind. You know, no, not at all. I never uh, <laughs> <laughs> the arch negotiator, let's put it like that, so be kind to him. Has his policy, uh, is it going to come back and bite Spurs? Because it seemed to me, looking at that United performance, there's not quite the depth of quality 
that they need. I'd agree with that. I think a the mistake they made over the summer was that they didn't sign anybody who was going to go into the eleven unquestionably and improve it, be one of the best players in the team. Victor Wanyama's come in, he's done a reasonable job, but you couldn't actually say that if he weren't there and Eric Dyer was still in that position that things would be very much worse. I, don't, I think it would be much the same as it is. Um, so I think what they needed to do was to spend a lot of money on a player who would make the first eleven better. Now, the problem they've got is that they won't pay more than about £85,000 a week basic wage to anybody and you're going to need to double that if you want the kind of player that they needed. Um, which position would you have strengthened? Which position would I have strengthened? I think somebody like Sadio Mane rather than Sissoko. Yeah. If you'd have brought him in out wide, you've seen what he's done with Liverpool, it's mm -hmm. that. And that was only £5 million more, wasn't it? Yes. Um, well, I think Liverpool probably paid more down. I think mm. Spurs have only paid about six, seven million down. But you're right. It's not just about pace, of course, but it's about that explosive pace and directness and ability to, to break the defence. Because what I spoke to Harry Kane after the game yesterday and he actually said, it's in the standard today, that other sides have worked them out a little bit. That they've, They know to drop off them, press them in certain areas, and Kane said we need to find... Find solutions, that was what he so said. Is that why they went for Wilfred Zaha then? Is that yeah. that type of player? Mane, Wilfred Zaha yeah. ended up with Sissoko, who I think was on was on a list but wasn't top of it for Mauricio mm. Pochettino. You've seen quite a lot of Zaha. Mm. If you're Gareth Southgate, you pick him for England to stop him going to the Ivory Coast. Uh, yeah, but he's he's got the timing all wrong. I mean, I, so I was asked the about this. Well, potentially, yeah. I mean, he look, the, 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 the documentation has gone. To FIFA, they are now processing that. It looks as if the decision's been made, and and the reality is that, that there was an opportunity for Southgate to pick Wilfred Zaha if he wanted him. I'm not sure that relationship is strong enough, though. I, I think it's a legacy of his days in the under 21s, where yeah, he stank the place out well, in yeah, Israel, didn't he? He was look, he's he was young at the time, as as in as they all were, but possibly possibly slightly more immature in the way that he approached that. He may even look back on that with some regret now. But the reality is that I don't think Wilfred Zaha saw a route into the England team under Roy Hodgson and certainly not under, under Gareth Southgate. And, you know, Ivory Coast came calling. It's the country of his birth. But I genuinely think that it will be to England's, England's loss because he, the way he's playing at the moment is uh, he, don't, he would offer something different. Don't you think there's any value as well in that Gareth Southgate, if England qualify for the next World Cup and suffer and go out again. There's a chance he might lose his job. Another manager comes in who might like Wilfred Zaha. So is there no case for somebody at the FA higher ups? Look, this guy is an important asset to English football. Get him in. Get him into a squad. You give him five minutes in a say dead qualifier competitive game what you play him then then he's yours. I know maybe that could appear exploitative to the player himself, but if you as an association have to take a pragmatic decision over somebody who can clearly help you but in the future, the you do just that. don't like, you, you're going to let him go just because the coach doesn't they, like him, they, it seems they, silly. They could have done it, they've missed their I know they could, the have, I know they they could the have, but... They had, a, they had the last two games, Scotland and Spain, was a prime opportunity for that. You need a competitive game though, don't you? To be honest, yeah, I mean, Scotland, Scotland would have been that, but if you look at, I mean, Palace fans, this is, this is driving them mad, if you look at the performance this season of Andros Townsend and Wilfred Zaha mm. at Palace, it's incomparable. Andrew Townsend has had maybe one good game against Stoke, which happened to be on the television, and he did he scored a good goal and, and played well. But really, other than that, this is a man that's being hauled off at half-time mm. regularly, whereas Zaha is a talisman for that team. 
We're talking about potential here, Tom, both individually and collectively that's significant. Let's look at Everton who are playing Arsenal in the Tuesday night game. Ronald Koeman talked about the lack of mental strength, physicality. Lukaku came out and, and said that we haven't got the maturity to basically be a, a, a cohesive force in the Premier League. It all started so well for Everton this season. Why has it all gone sour? Well, that suggests that the manager doesn't really rate the players and the players probably feel that. And they don't have the solidity defensively, do they? They go away to a side like Watford, who'd just been beaten by West Brom away from home not too long ago, had a bad loss at Liverpool, lost at home to Stoke. So, really, that's the side that, after a good end to the game Everton had had against Manchester United, that they should be looking to, to beat and take the lead through Lukaku, and then you should be able to build on that. But the fact they don't have that suggests there's something, a weakness there, as Koeman says, perhaps in spirit as much as anything. Um, and I think it's pretty apparent from those words that he will want to be changing things there as soon as he can. I mean, managers always say these things, don't they, because they want time. And, it, and as a new manager, it covers up your mistake. It's like a government, isn't it? You blame <laughs> the other lot for a while. Um, but there's only so long you can do that. So I think with the investment that's there at Everton, there should be the opportunity for him to strengthen. He's given himself no leeway, though, has he? I mean, the signings he made in the summer, which were for pretty hefty amounts mm. for Everton, but you know, your Balassi's, who is now injured, obviously. Injured, yeah. um, Ashley Williams, but you know, these are seasoned Premier League players now. They, you can't get, fall back and say, well, they're going to need time to adapt. Mm. He's not bringing people in from, a, from abroad. But maybe he thinks there's more of a weakness in the players that those. Well, yeah. well there's certainly they're... a sense that, that that defense is almost growing old together. Yeah. You know, I think Seamus Coleman you know, is still really assertive, but you look at Leighton Baines, Phil Jagielka. Well, Coleman's uh, getting a lot of stick. Locally, isn't he? I mean, he's, he, people aren't enamoured with his performances either. And you're right, Jackie Elka's another one. I mean, they are ageing together. Um, Stecklenburg was a... He's had some good games for Everton, but he was, let's face it, he was a reserve goalkeeper at, at the previous Premier League clubs he's played at, bar Fulham, who were relegated. So it doesn't strike you. That's not a firm foundation, really. There's no, there's no future in that. That is a, that is a back line that's going to have to be reinvented over time. And I think also the club are and the fan base are having to deal with the fact that Koeman just says it how he thinks it. I mean, he, he, he doesn't hold back, does well, he? Well, the comments about Lukaku were yeah. remarkable, really. Mm. About one day he will outgrow the club. It's very honest, it's as honest, Bob says, yeah. but it's maybe not the most diplomatic route to take. Mm. So it'll be, it be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be even more febrile, won't it, Dom, in the Merseyside derby? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and maybe that will bring the best out of them. Maybe that will get them going, mm. get the juices What do you make of Liverpool? Well, I saw them at Bournemouth, um, and they were as imperious for lo for maybe well seventy five minutes of that game as they had been when I saw them at Palace a few weeks back. They just they bossed it, and then for the last fifteen minutes, it was like watching the Brendan Rodgers team un unraveling at Sellers Park a few years ago. I know there's been stout defences of Carrius's displays, but he simple fact is he doesn't command that area, and now he's making proper individual areas to cost them points. Um, the free kick yesterday, Dimitri Payet's free kick, case in point. And it's, it just doesn't feel as if they've really addressed the goalkeeping issue at Liverpool since Pepe Reina was there. And what did he leave, 2013? Yes, went to Napoli, then and Bayern, and then yeah. back to Napoli. I mean, it's just, yeah. these, are, these are constant problems. And, and I quite admire Jurgen Klopp for the fact that the defence he's, he's, he's mounting of, of his players. And I did at Bournemouth as well. He was very matter-of-fact at Bournemouth. He was like, this, this will happen, but... After a while, that's going to start to grate because that team, that their attacking play is second to none in the division, mm. but it's being undermined. They almost look to me like a next season team. 
where, okay, let's, as you said, Dom, fantastic going forward, mm. the interplay, the subtlety, the speed. But this season, they're going to get found out too often, aren't they? And they might run out of gas as it gets further into the year. I think the loss of Mane to the Cup of Nations will be crucial for them as well. I think he, we touched on him before with mm. reference to Tottenham. I think he's a superb player, so important to them, as important as someone like Coutinho maybe. Mm. I think... I can see them getting into the top four because of the advantage they have with the fixtures. And there's some quite good young players coming through there. I saw their League Cup tie against Tottenham was up at Anfield for that and, and their second lines were better than Spurs'. Mm. But title winners, no, I don't think so. I also, this probably won't be a popular view, but I think they can they can find a better central midfielder than Jordan Henderson. I think Jordan Henderson's not a central midfielder in a title-winning team. What about Sturridge? Could you see him getting into that team or can you see him turning up at somewhere like West Ham? I'd be amazed if West Ham signed another injury-prone striker. Well, Billich said so last week. It'd be amazing first conversation, wouldn't it? So you've said all this about me in public. It's just, I mean, well, that would, that would, that, that, weirdly against West Ham at the weekend, they, they needed him. That's that he would have probably ended up converting some of the chances they created because they lacked a bit of cutting edge without Coutinho, without Sturridge available. But he's very much Plan B. He's not the, the player that's going to get into their first choice eleven if everybody's fit then that front line doesn't involve Daniel Sturridge. And you get the impression almost that maybe the second choice is Divock Origi if they're all fit as well. So He likes Origi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he four, four goals yeah. in four games. Yeah. I, I mean, look, Sturridge, is, uh, he'll have to look where, where he's at at the end of the season. And there, w- there would be no shortage of takers, even with his injury record, people would be interested in having him because when he's fit, he's, he's great in a team that plays to his strengths. Is he going to have what I would call an if-only career. Possibly, yeah, possibly. I mean, I think, arguably, he's already had one. Um, look at the opportunities he's had at the clubs that he's been at, Man City, Chelsea, now Liverpool. Count the number of great seasons he's had. And there was the Suarez season where they came so close and he scored a lot of goals that year. In fact, year. you've called it the Suarez season. Shows yeah. That he has not about him, is it? everybody else. Yeah, he? I mean, that's, that, that's it. Look, he's, I, 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 do, I really do like and rate Daniel Sturridge. But come the summer... He's going to have to look and see where his, his future should be. Okay. As a final look now, Chelsea, that win against West Brom had the look of a team which could go the distance. You know, breaking down a, a really tough team, 1-0 win, you know, great piece of finishing by Diego Costa. Are they showing the attributes of champions to you, Tom? Yes, I think they are. I, I did tip them at the start of the season. It looked like a horrible prediction after about six or seven weeks <laughs> when they lost 3-0 at Arsenal. But there was a, a logic behind it in that it has some of the hallmarks of Conte's first season at Juventus when they weren't involved in European football. They'd had a few poor seasons. Um, and the first thing he did was he went in and said, aren't you tired of being so useless? He used a more evocative word than useless. <laughs> but there seems to be something similar about the Chelsea side this year and they seem to believe in what he's asking them to do. I don't think it's particularly thrilling stuff on the training ground very drilled very well organised but they seem to believe in it and I think with that lack of European football I'd stick by my original prediction yeah, amazing footballers aren't they you know, they will probably turn around and say oh we hate this repetition but it makes them better get the win bonus at the end of the week exactly now, so that you can get a, a team which is as let's say as uh, difficult sometimes to manage as Chelsea's squad mm. that's some achievement isn't it it is, and I, and I don't think it's all been plain sailing. I think there have been times when the likes of Hazard and Diego Costa haven't been happy with the constant drilling and the three sessions a day and the sort of stop-start nature of training where everybody, he stops the training and tells people they're five yards out of position. But 
the proof is in the pudding and, and nine successive wins. And, and most remarkably of all, the, the, the change he's instigated in Costa's on-field discipline, that to me reflects so well on Conte. This is a fellow that, OK, he's, he, he's never been sent off, but his disciplinary record has been abject. Uh, he was always a sort of tinderbox player, and yet he's now, he hasn't been booked since the Arsenal game. I think it's 10 matches in all competitions now. He's sort of been teetering on the brink of four bookings and a one-match suspension ever since. And he's not getting frustrated, he's not getting wound up in the way he was. And that's inspiring those players as much as the goals he's producing. He's, he's a phenomenon and arguably the best striker in the Premier League at the moment. Well, whichever way you look at it, Antonio Conte is showing up men with bigger egos and bigger reputations. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Be sure to join us next Monday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.